today I'm going to be reading from the chapter cover. It starts on page 205 and goes to page 237. We only have two more chapters after this one. So turn in your books to page 205, 205, to the beginning of the chapter on cover. Page 205. Cover from the Middle English Coverin and Latin Cooperire. It's a verb to hide, protect, or conceal, to place something over or around an object or living thing so as to shield from danger, to guard from attack. It's a noun, something that shelters or disguises, a situation providing protection from enemies, the front or back of the binding on a book. Cover. After a week of sun and wispy clouds, the snow had started again, a wet, heavy white that covered cars, streetlights, hoods, and hats. It fell without wind to carry it, the flakes so dense that it was hard to to see far. Early had a miserable time rousing some the next morning, but finally got the three of them dressed, fed, and onto the train to Harold Washington. How many days you going to make us do this early, Pearl? Some asked, her voice grumpy. I love you doing research and I love all your plans, but this is a long trip for me and Juby every day. I'm afraid I fell asleep in the corner of the children's library yesterday when he was playing and the librarian, that nice Mr. Tumble, woke me and asked if I was okay. I said, no, would you be okay if you'd lost your partner, all your money and your home? Guess I should have smiled and said yes, but I'm getting too worn out to do that these days. Early looked at her mother's face. She had pockets under her eyes, like the skin had gotten tired of holding on in the last few weeks. Like life was rushing her away from being young. Some, Early patted her arm gently. Mr. Wave and I are finding out good stuff. We're getting someplace. We're going to find Dash. And Mr. John, the tutor in our shelter, really likes my ideas. He's all excited about working on them. We got things happening, so we all need to hold fast. Just picture Dash telling you what to do, and you'll feel stronger. It didn't work. Some covered her eyes with one hand and sat still, but her mouth was crying. Early and Juby both looked at her, and people on the train looked too. Then some said softly, patting her eyes with the end of her scarf. I'm so sorry. I really am. I'm trying. I just feel lost. I need Dash so badly. Guess I never realized how empty life could get without him. But I'm trying. Early didn't say any more and squeezed her mother's hand. Juby leaned his head against her on the one other side. You got us and we'll be good, he said. I won't whine no more. Some gave him a sad smile. You mean any more? Any more, chirped Juby. I gotta be strong, Early thought to herself. Strong enough for three, just like Dash was strong enough for four. She gazed out, not really paying attention to what she saw. A boy carried a puppy across the street. A school bus stopped to pick up kids waiting on a corner in front of another big shelter, which some had pointed out to Early the other day. And then Early saw a man in a big jacket. His shoulders hunched walk walk from behind two buildings. Limping, he moved slowly toward the line of kids. 
the side of his face. It looked just like Dash! 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 This flash seen from a moving train, an impression lasting only a second, shot her bolt upright in her seat. She glanced at Sum, wondering if she should say something. Sum's eyes were closed. Juby was busy playing with his truck. He muttered, driving it back and forth on his leg. No, Early thought. I've been thinking of Dash so much that now I'm seeing him. I'm just seeing what I want to see, inventing things. Early squeezed her eyes shut for a moment, forcing herself to concentrate on the sound of the train grinding over the tracks, metal on metal. She opened her eyes to see a boarded-up building they'd noticed before, one with a red roof fly by outside the train window. This morning, the roof had a gentle mound of white on top of its chimney and looked promising beneath the snow. The train screeched to a stop at Harrow, Washington, stepping out onto the cold platform with her silent mother and brother. She felt painfully alone. Cover. Mr. Wave wasn't there this morning. Early peeked through the glass door of the limited access room, but was afraid to enter on her own. She knew it was no good trying to get information out of Mr. Pincer or the lady with the blue vein, but Mr. Owlslip? Owl. If she could spot him coming or going, she knew he was something, he had something to tell her. He'd had that eager look on his face, and Mr. Pincer had stopped him. Pulling off her coat, she sat down at one of the tables for the general public and opened her notebook. She'd found a seat near the open stacks, one partially hidden by books, but with a clear view of the front desk and staff-only door. She pulled a few thick books out of a nearby shelf and made herself a little wall. She opened one of the books as if reading and slunk down in her chair. A man with a bow tie and crooked glasses went into the limited access room. Next, a woman with a fur collar on her coat. The two students who looked about the same age as Mr. John. Then Mr. Pincer appeared from nowhere. Oh, no. Early slid even lower. The supervisor was walking next to a man who resembled a large chimpanzee, all fuzziness and a big, heavy forehead. It was difficult to look away. Luckily, Mr. Pincer seemed just as fascinated by him. They disappeared through the staff-only door. It was already after 10 and Early was losing hope. She'd have to meet Sum and Juby in time to get back to the shelter for lunch. And then, whoosh, Mr. Allslip strode past, pushing a cart of books. Psst, Mr. Allslip, she whispered as he hurried by. He glanced in her direction and his eyes flickered with recognition and something else. Was it fear? He wriggled his shoulders as if they could hide him and kept moving. Early thought he jerked his head to the right. She followed, trotting after his cart as it zoomed down a long, straight corridor of books. People, she realized, had rhythms too, unique ways of behaving and talking. If she could read Mr. Allslip's rhythms, what would they tell her? Cover. I can't talk to you, was the first thing he whispered. This is dangerous stuff, very dangerous. And... If I'm seen talking to you, I'll be fired and, and maybe killed. We might both be, he squeaked. What? 
Early whispered back. Are you kidding? Killed? The word had a dreadful stony sound and it felt wrong even to say it. Mr. Allslip was still moving quickly, looking on all sides, pausing, turning a corner, rolling his cart further and further from the offices to the center of the floor. Finally, he stopped at a U-shaped steady area with heavy chairs and a wraparound shelf for a table. You wait here, he ordered. Duck under. Pull a chair close and we'll park the cart in front. There, you're gone. What would some say, Early wondered, but she already knew. Are you crazy? Hiding in a far away part of the sixth floor with a man you don't know? The thing was, it was now or maybe never, and she needed to ask some questions. Early nodded. He scurried a few steps away, paused to listen, and hurried back, his shoes making a scree, scree sound on the bare floors. We've got to whisper, he began, dropping into a chair on the other side of the book cart. Jeez, my heart is pounding. He paused, one hand on his chest. This whole thing is nuts. Sorry about frightening you, but it's a dangerous time. He took a deep breath and blew it out in puffs, as if making invisible smoke rings. That's okay. Thanks for talking to me, Early whispered. Mr. Allslip dusted off his shoes, rubbing one foot at a time on the back of his pant legs, which seemed to calm him. Actually, I was hoping you'd come back to the library. You're a brave kid, and there are things I want to tell you. First, your dad didn't do anything wrong. At least, I don't think so. And if something happens to me and I disappear too, at least you'll know the truth, or more accurately, what I can tell you. Sometimes it's hard to say what's true and what's not, especially when no one leaves prints. Hey, get it? Mr. Oslip glanced at Early. A foot and a book can both leave a print, though the number's this, the thing. Sorry, can't help myself. Are you the guy my father called Al, He she asked. The guy who liked playing games with him? That's me, he said. I knew it, Early crowed in a loud whisper. Mr. Pincer told the police there's no owl here and that Mr. Lyman Scrub doesn't exist. Really? Al asked, his whiskers twitching. Lovely. Good to know he's watching my back. Early paused. So you're saying Mr. Pincer is part of all this too? No, well, maybe, but not as far as Dash knew, at least I think. Forget I said that. Okay, let's stick to the skinny. Here's how your father and I fell into all of this. One day a man approached me in the stacks where I was shelving books. He gave me his card, which said Lyman Scrub Bookseller. Early nodded. What was the skinny? He ex explained that he needed two reliable pages who wanted to make a bit of money and were coming up in the library world. Yes, I already know this, Dash told us, Early interrupted, worried that he wouldn't finish before someone found them. How did you have any idea what I'm going to say? Al snapped, his nose and chin now twitching independently, a rare feat on one face. Sorry, Early whispered, go on. This scrub fellow explained that he worked with some people from the New York City area whose job was to store, pack, and then sell unwanted estate donations. Some of them junk. You know, old books no one want, could want. Early nodded, thinking that the way her father talked about out-of-print books made them glow, as if they were objects deserving respect. This man was no dash. Al was now pulling busily on his mustache. So we did the job, each taking our separate parts of it. 
I'm living in my brother's house right now and didn't want to give the address. So your father got the carton, cartons at his apartment and I picked them up along with a list of what was inside. I delivered them to an address at Market Marquette Park when I wasn't supposed to tell your father. Early nodded again. That was a beat, all right. She could feel what was coming. It sounds like you thought there was some, something suspicious about the whole business from the start, she said. Too bad. I'm just a more cautious fellow than your father. More to hide. And don't drop snippy hints with me, young lady. I don't have to tell you a thing, you know. Sorry. Please go on, Early said. Could guilt and fear be parts of the same rhythm? Mr. Scrub paid us generously, instructing me to give your father his share after each pickup. And then one evening when I came by, Dash told me that he had kept one of the books for you kids. He said he'd paid more than enough for it, having checked on its value, and had put a star next to it on the list. I had the box in my arms. Setting it down, I asked, you think that's a good idea? Your father shrugged off any worries, explaining to me that he was just making the process easier for Mr. Scrub. He gave me a small envelope with the money for the book and asked me to give it to the people who received the box where I dropped it off. Here's the part I'm feeling like I want you to know. I didn't give the money to the guys who took the delivery. They were big men, looked kind of rough, and I was afraid. I could picture one of them punching me in the nose before I'd ever had a chance to explain. And seriously, all you have to do is come near my nose and it hurts. Old injury. So I never told Dash that I'd taken the envelope home, although I meant to. Time went by and I stuffed it in a drawer. I convinced myself that Dash was right. No one would mind and I'd explain I'd forgotten if anyone asked about the missing book. A couple of weeks passed. Nothing. We processed more boxes of books. Then one of the guys from the warehouse called my cell phone early one morning and asked if I was the man who had gone through that box of books, the one with a star on the list. I said no, that it had been my colleague Dashiell Pearl, and something in his voice just got me scared. I didn't say a word, either about the missing book or the money Dash had handed, had handed me to give them. I know, I know, I should have. Later that day, I saw Mr. Scrub talking in a low voice with Mr. Pincer in the stacks. Although they didn't see me, I didn't tell Dash, maybe feeling guilty about how I'd handled the whole keeping a book thing, but I decided to give your father the address of the warehouse and then tell him what I'd done or hadn't done. Maybe he could drop off the envelope and run. So I dropped clues about the building number by pointing out time patterns that shared the information in code. He and I liked that kind of brain twister. I was planning to give him the street name the next day, but before I could tell him, my father disappeared, early blurted, unable to stay quiet for another second. Guilty, she thought. He said to himself, shh, Mr. Allslip hissed, leaning closer. Early got a whiff of cheesy garlic. She made a face, no longer caring if that was rude, and hissed back. So if you were afraid of these guys and Dash suddenly vanished after that weird accident, why didn't you call the police? Al shuddered. I can't say. 
perhaps instinct, but I'm sorry about your father. Instinct? To save yourself while an entire family is destroyed? Have you ever lost your father, your home, and, and your whole world? Have you ever lived in a shelter? You aren't sorry enough, Early spat, itching to pinch that twisty nose herself. For the first time, Al looked truly upset. So can you give me the address? Early asked quickly. Don't dare, he said. But I did drive out there to the warehouse to look a couple of days after your father vanished. Seemed to me like everyone had gone, no sign of life. So why can't you share the address now? Can't. Just can't. Early was dying to shout at him that he was a rat, jump out from behind the cart and run directly to the police, but forced herself to ask calmly. So, Mr. Allslip, what do you think this whole book business was about? I mean, why the scary guys and everything? Al was blinking his eyes rapidly, as if thinking something through. Maybe the books were being used to hide something much more valuable, he said. Like how? Early asked, blinking also. I know, crazy idea, Al said, with a split-second smile. His two front teeth were much bigger than the rest. You can't hide much in a carton of old books that some middleman looks through, he shrugged, not exactly sure, secure. As Early wondered about the easy way he'd said, some middleman, he asked, why did you mention rows of numbers the other day when Mr. Pincer came into the room? Why not? Dash used to play around with the ideas all the time, especially uh, the repeating numbers on the clock. Really, Al said, what a coincidence. And then there was the terrible raid at your place, he said slowly. Horrible. Everything, huh? Just about, Early said. Anything the thieves didn't find? What was he, what was he reading her mind? Early looked away. Well, she said innocently, it was hard to see in the mess they left. They destroyed everything and we had to leave that night. I remember one guy had a strong accent that sounded just like Mrs. Whistle. Hmm, really? Mr. Allslip was pulling on his mustache again. Mr. Pincer's personal assistant came a day or two after he did. Funny thing. Coincidence. Just then, they heard heavy footsteps approaching and Early pressed her forehead into her knees. Mr. Allslip jumped to his feet. Allslip! Mr. Pincer's voice sounded angry. What are you doing back here? Sorting, Mr. Allslip said, his voice sounding exhausted. Straightening the mess. Bunch of books pulled without rhyme or reason. Rhyme, I see. Rayum. Mr. Pincer cleared his throat. I want you in my office now. We've got news. Mr. Pincer stormed away. Early knew she didn't have much time. She had to take the rhythm that fed Miss Al's panic. The guilt. The history with Dash his habit of hiding, and make them the bigger, biggest rhythm he could hear. You were fr his friend, she said. The guy my father called Al. I know you don't want to get in any more trouble, but I know you don't want to see our family hurt even more. You have to tell the police what you know. Then I'll be the next to disappear, Al said. Early thought through, uh, thought about that. Not if you find a way to tell them without really telling them, she said. Not if it looks to the bad guys like you've been caught. 
Those were the last words Early got out before Mr. Pincer yelled again, and Mr. Allslip slipped away, moving with the speed of a small animal used to avoiding traps. Cover. A blank post-it note was stuck to the table where Early had left her notebook and winter coat. Both were gone. Across the top of the note, in black print, was from the desk of Wade Pincer. Her heart sank. It was almost time to pick up some and Juby from the children's library, and she needed that jacket. Trying to remember exactly what she'd written in the notebook, she was glad that Mr. Wave had reminded her not to record anything secret. He was a smart man. Slipping through the staff-only door, she walked slowly toward Mr. Pincer's office. The door was closed. Miss Whistle was not at her desk. Early could hear a buzz of voices. She took another couple of steps, then realized the buzz was getting fainter. But if she backed up, she could make out some words from inside the room where she'd met Mr. Allslip. Early ducked in and looked up at the wall. There it was, a metal vent. She froze, willing her heart to stop thudding so loudly. Stay out, serious, danger. From the snatches of urgent-sounding talk, she separated out Mr. Pincer's voice, Mr. Allslip's, and Miss Whistle's. And then there was a long, gravelly cough. Mr. Wave. What was he doing in there? Mr. Pincer must be trying to force some information out of him. Early felt responsible. She'd pulled Mr. Wave into this after all. She then had the tiniest flash of doubt about Mr. Wave. A question as quick as the spark, sparkle of a snowflake. She pushed it away. Everything she'd learned was making her see everyone as possibly hiding something they shouldn't. It would be terrible, she decided at that moment, to live the life of a spy. A door opened and early heard Mr. Wave cough again. You've been warned, Mr. Pincer said. You are not to re-enter this building. Not, not, er, ever again. The door slammed shut and early heard footsteps moving down, off down the hallway and the growly rumble of Mr. Waves clearing his throat. Early was dying to follow him and ask what had happened. But what if the conversation between Mr. Pincer, Mr. Allslip, and the others wasn't over? They might really spill the beans now that Mr. Wave was gone. She listened closely again. Located, liberty, ice, liberty, a slip, slipping on ice. Were they talking about the accident? And then Early heard, finally seen, Today could be gone. It was Mr. Pincer's voice, now sharp and ugly. Up to us, all going, and I mean all. Early's heart felt as though it had sprouted wings and shot around the room, the words finally seen and today. Of course, Mr. Pincer could have been talking about anything, but just one person, one earth-shakingly important person was gone. Dash, 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 dash. And maybe Mr. Pincer was threatening them all, saying Dash had to be found or they'd all be in trouble. Did this mean that Dash was nearby and that he was free? And hadn't she maybe just maybe seen him this morning? Early wanted to whoop, to shriek, but instead knelt down on the carpet ready to hide behind the rubbery plant. 
Whoa, Mr. Pincer's door flew open, then closed again with a bang. Light, quick steps walked down the hallway. No one entered the room. Early was crouching in. She thought of Sam and Juby down on the second floor and realized she should get them all out of the building and fast. They might be the first ones to be targeted if someone was after Dash. If criminals wanted to make him appear, all they had to do was capture and hold his family. Yikes. Standing, she crept to the open door. The buzz through the vent was now fainter. She peeked out into the hall, hoping her nose wasn't visible. Yes, Miss Whistle was standing over her desk with her back turned, head down, a phone held on one ear, early whisked around the corner and tiptoed at top speed in the other direction, hoping for a stairwell, an exit sign. Showing open the heavy, shoving open the heavy door, she hurried down one flight after another. When a door creaked far above, she stopped. No steps. Was someone else listening? She froze, standing quietly until the door closed. Thudding down the last few stairs, she burst into the hallway by the children's library and ran inside. Some was reading aloud to Juby, their heads bent low over a book. Early, out of breath, reached over to hug them both, and stumbled onto Sum's lap. Oof, she gasped. Get off of me, Juby giggled. Hurry, no time to lose. Early huffed as she scrambled back up. No one moved. Now, she finally shouted at them, grabbing their coats in her arms. We gotta go! As the three scurried out the door, leaving behind a pile of books, the librarian looked after them. Mr. Tumble reached for the phone, hesitated, and began instead to straighten his desk. Seconds later, he walked over to the pile and moved it carefully onto a cart, lining up the spines. He straightened the pillows where Juby had been playing and checked his watch. Cover. I think Dash is okay. Maybe escaped, Early blurted, still breathing heavily, heavily as they hurried up the long flight of stairs to the train platform. She'd refused to wear Sam's jacket, saying she was hot. The meeting was about something that had gone, but had to be found. I heard slipping and ice, and that could only be Dash, right? I only caught a few words, but I'm sure there was some kind of threat made to the library workers, plus Mr. Wave. Seems like they all might be in trouble now. Early paused and bent over a stitch in her side. She had an uncomfortable feeling that they were being followed. She looked back several times, but she didn't see anything unusual. The three of us better not hang around here waiting for them to catch up. They're looking for Dash, and who knows? He might be headed to the shelter this minute. Sam's face was trembly, transformed, so fragile yet filled with light that Early realized with a sinking fear that perhaps she'd spoken too soon. I wasn't sure what they were saying. It's a maybe. But Sam's face was brighter by the second. If he's escaped, you know he'll find us. And when he does, Juby's eyes were huge with fear. The bad guy's gonna get us, he whispered. I want Dash now. No worries, son. I'm here, some said, her voice sounding calmer and stronger than it had in weeks. But you've got to do exactly what I say when I say it. You understand? And don't give away any secrets. Won't give away secrets, Juby nodded. 
good, some said. Now, early baby, you just tell me everything. Early tried sharing the research she'd done yesterday with Mr. Wave and what she suspected. She was worried that some had added up these fragments and spun them into a solid truth. She sounded so strong. She didn't dare tell her about the profile in the alley. Well, it was too late now to hide the other things from her mother, and perhaps that was okay. Some had just needed some hope, fresh hope, to keep going. Early shivered and allowed some to wrap her in her jacket. Dash, I'm sorry, she said to herself. I got some all worked up now. Before she could listen for a reply, a new worry flooded her mind. There's one thing we need to keep top secret, and that means you too, Juby. Her brother nodded, his mouth open. Hurley was now whispering, her mouth covered with one hand, so that no one else on the train could hear. She hadn't been able to shake the scary feeling of being watched. If the bad guys know we have this, it might be used to trap Dash again. That's the only possession we own that could possibly be important. Although why, I don't know. No place to hide jewels inside it. We've turned every page over and over, but Mr. Allslip was hinting something about a printing today. How it was like a footprint. Some was nodding. The first print run can make a volume valuable, she whispered. That secret, Juby said in Early's car ear. Yep. Where is it right now? Early asked her mother. In a drawer, some said. I slipped it under our clothing. Zip the lip, Juby, some warned. He did with one finger and then grinned and did it again. The train couldn't move fast enough for the three pearls. Cover. Stepping in the front door, some huffed a sigh of relief. Early hurried ahead up the stairs, slipped a hand into the drawer in their cluster, touched the familiar cover, and grinned. Of course, some said, rubbing her arm. What were we thinking? Got herself spooked. Now both of you wash hands before lunch. Some was still luminous after the morning news. Juby more babbly than usual and early quiet. The familiar noise and confusion of the shelter felt good to all three. And although the lunch line was particularly long that day, no one complained. Oh, here they are, Mrs. Happity said half an hour later, her voice pretending to be cheerful. A police officer stood by her side. Can I borrow you three for just a moment? She asked politely. It was then that Early noticed a small crowd by the front door and more men in uniform. The three pearls hopped up, leaving lunch trays on the table. You got, you got bad guys? Juby asked, his voice squeaky with excitement. Both Sam and Early shushed him, but Mrs. Happity simply reached for his hand as they all crossed the room. A man with a ragged jacket, brown sock hat, and handcuffs looked down at the floor. When he turned his face, Early gasped. It's Mr. Allslip. Something made her stay quiet, at least until she knew whether he'd done something good or bad. Velma was in the crowd and stepped forward. I saw him follow you three in the door. He was pretending to empty garbage, but I was watching. Sometimes I just know things. He saw you three head upstairs and still pretended to be busy. Like he belonged but followed you on up. When you three came down and he didn't, I thought I'd better take a look. Caught him red-handed. 
emptying your drawers into a big garbage bag, grabbed him from behind. Here, Valma wheezed with delight. Looked like a scared mouse, he did, she chortled. For the first time, Early felt a tiny bit sorry for the man. Oh, Velma, Sama hugged her. Thank you so much, all of you. But can I check that bag before you take him away? I'd feel better if I knew every last thing was in there. Some was taken to the office where Mrs. Happity had locked up the bag. Early and Juby sat awkwardly to one side of the crowd, and Early glanced shyly at Al's face. He raised his head just enough to give her a quick wink. She set back the tiniest of nods, and at that moment, she felt she'd captured his rhythm, or maybe even changed it. Some was back in a moment. Looks fine, officer. After the police and Al were gone, Mrs. Happity walked the pearls back to her office and said, I have a room with a lock on the door for you three. Third floor, where some of the other families stay. You don't mind being on the floor that has a few dads, do you? Oh, of course not. That's wonderful, Mrs. Happity, some said. You've been great. No problem, she said, but looked puzzled. Any reason that man might, might be after your things? No jewelry or anything. I mean, I didn't notice any when the policeman looked through it. I'm not sure, some said. It's a mystery, Early added quickly. No secrets, Juby nodded. Don't know any secrets. Mrs. Happity smiled at him. Such lovely kids you have, Mrs. Pearl, she said as she looked, as she took them up to their new room. Some hugged the extra large garbage bag that now held everything they owned. Cover. Oh my, Mrs. Happity said and opened the window a crack. A metal safety guard prevented it from going any higher. The room was one of the, those gloomy ones that Shoe Rock and Darren had been in. With a narrow window looking out on a wall, it was dark and smelled like a cross between wet coats on the train and used diapers. The walls were peppered with sneakered prints, bad words written in pen, and jagged scratches of it as if someone had been attacking the plaster with a knife. I'll be right back with your sheets and blankets and some cleaning supplies, Mrs. Happity said. Early went with her to help. As they gathered up bedding from the old cluster, Mrs. Happity paused to look closely at a shiny piece of metal on the floor. Goodness, it's a razor blade, she said. Must have come in with that man. Awful. She slipped it carefully into a front pocket of her, of her, on her shirt. Early, some early in Juby spent the afternoon scrubbing. The room needed a brighter light so they could read in bed, but it looked and smelled better. When the drawers had aired out, some carefully unloaded the black bag, folding each piece of clothing as if neatness would make the room feel more like home. Ah, she said, turning over the first book of rhythms. This dear book is so beat up now, she frowned, and it's got a new tear. How on earth did that happen? Let's see. Early reached out a hand for it. A sharp, clean cut had been started at the end of the spine. The cut was almost unnoticeable, maybe a third of an inch long, but too perfect to be a tear. Whoa, Early breathed. The razor blade. We need some tape. Some had turned away and was talking with Juby. She didn't hear what Early had said, and Early didn't repeat it. 
Frowning, she ran her finger down the rest of the spine, which was still in one piece, but lumpy. She turned the book sideways and tried to see inside the narrow, sturdy tunnel that was a part of the spine, but all was dark. Then she shook it and a crumb of dry glue fell out. Since both ends of the spine were open, Early had never thought that something could be hidden there. But what had Al been up to? Some had folded the empty black bag neatly inside a drawer. It was a heavy-duty garbage sack, just like the ones that families move in and out of the shelter carried. The pearls had never had one before. Al must have swiped it from a box near the front desk on his way in. Early pulled it out now, just checking to see if some part of the book fell inside, she said. Some busily lined up toilet articles along the top of the dresser, nodded. Early crinkled open the bag and reached deep into every corner, running her finger along the seams. She touched something tiny, tiny and hard, an object about the size of a dried pea, but not perfectly round. Glad she was facing away from her mother and brother, Early opened her palm, holding it toward the window. It was then that the smallest of rainbows flashed across her, against her skin as if alive. A diamond. Some, she whispered, then stopped, closing her hand, bent over and coughed like mad. Her mind was racing. If some knew, she might have to tell the police, who might not believe that Dash was innocent in all this. She coughed some more, her fist against her mouth. Her mother patted her on the back. Must be all the dust, she murmured. Go for a drink of water. Early did, slipping the stone quickly into the pocket of her jeans. She walked with her hand flat on the leg of her pants, covering the tiniest of bumps in the fabric. The bathroom was full of kids in their moms, everyone talking and washing. Early shot into a stall and sat down. Now what, she wondered. She couldn't stay in there all day, and her thoughts weren't getting any clearer. Think, Early, think, she said fiercely to herself. As she stood, straightening her clothes, she then leaned over the row of sinks after drinking, water dripping from her mouth, and looked up at the mirror. Dash said, I was a rainbow. Diamonds hold rainbows. Maybe I can be as strong as a diamond, a pearl that's also a diamond. Dash would like that one. The thought even seemed a little familiar. Click as if it were one of Dash's pictures. But hiding this from some, it felt creepy. It was such a huge secret, Early shivered. And if she didn't tell, would she really be protecting the other three members of her family or just protecting some gang? Bad people who might end up hurting the pearls to get what they wanted. Sometimes keeping a secret was the worst thing to do. Cover. Much darker than the open sleeping area had been, their new room felt like a shoebox once the door was shut. Some, can you come sleep with me? Juby asked after a few minutes. Sure, some said, and Early thought she sounded relieved to climb down onto Juby's bunk. Early flipped over for what felt like the hundredth time. The right wrongs and good bads were so confusing and hard to see. She was tired of trying to understand and make choices. Tired, tired, tired. Okay, Early, some whispered. Tired was all she replied. 
The only 100% untroubling thing she could think of that night was the plan for homes. Just moving that idea around in her head, looking at it from all sides, made her feel good. And tomorrow, the tutoring room would be open again. Mr. John would be there. Early drifted off, imagining how surprised and proud Dash would be. Moments later, there was a loud bam, bam, bam from down the hall. Police, open up, shouted a voice. Early summoned Juby startled awake, and all had the same frightened memory. The pounding on their apartment door, the silence, the waiting, and the huge crash. Oh no, murmured some. Juby began to whimper. Police, the voice shouted again. They heard a door opening and a lot of unhappy shouting and crying. Someone thumped or fell against a wall. That isn't my stuff. It's not. The pearls stayed behind their closed door, although Early got down on the lower bunk with some and Juby. Some lay on the outside facing the door. Juby in the middle, curled into a ball against his mother's back. Don't, don't let them come in, he moaned over and over. Voices continued in the hallway long after the police had left, taking a woman with them. The pearls heard Mrs. Happity walking back and forth, quieting everyone down. Somewhere a child was sobbing. A bit later, there was a familiar bump, drag sound of black hefty bags being pulled down the hallway, carting away a life. We're getting used to the sound of emergencies, Early thought to herself. I won't say it because that'll upset Juby, but it's horrible and feels wrong. If we were in our own home, it would be quiet. Just the nighttime sounds of snow falling. And not a sad field, she added fiercely. Not like the end of Langston's poem, for when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. No barren field for us. Early tried to imagine Dash's hand touching the side of her head. She thought about where he might be. The image of him back in that alley, wrapped in a blanket, was too miserable to fall asleep on. So she pictured them all walking up to the yellow house they'd loved in Woodlawn. Some and Dash holding hands, Early and Juby running ahead, up the front steps, everyone stamping the snow off outside their front door, some making them cocoa in a kitchen with blue walls. Cover. Drugs was the word murmured in the breakfast line. Isabel and Marcus's mom had been arrested last night. Early and Juby looked at each other. What? Early said. I can't believe it. Poor Isabel and her little Marcus. That's terrible. Those guys all alone now. Who's taking care of them? Juby asked, his voice squeaky with worry. I'm sure the police took them somewhere safe, some said. It's awful, but this kind of thing happens to kids all the time. Maybe they have some relatives, Early said. I hope Isabel's my, I hope Isabel's my new buddy and we had plans together. She must be so scared. Yeah, if they took some away, I, it would be bad, right, Early? Juby asked. I hope Marcus got to bring his orange truck. I'm not going anywhere without you two. You can bet your booties, some said. Settle down now and eat those eggs. Gotta keep up our strength. Thelma nodded slowly, straightening a pin with the rubber troll that was fastened to her coat. She smoothed the troll's hair, saying only, we moms need to help each other because kids need their moms. Isn't that the truth, some said and patted Velma's back. Everyone ate in silence for a few minutes. 
shelter meals were always more thoughtful after there had been an emergency. It seemed like bad and hard things of only one kind or another were always happening at Helping Hand. When two police officers walked in the shelter doors just as everyone was clearing their plates and cups, Mrs. Happity's shoulder sagged. Not again, Early heard her say. She took the police to her office. Some Early and Juby were headed up the stairs to their new room when Mrs. Happity called after them. I've got some news you'll want to hear, she said to some. Some froze and her face looked so eager that Mrs. Happity hurried to say, nothing settled, but this is more information than you've had so far. The kids and I stay together, some said, turning to Juby. She ordered. I'm counting on you to sit quietly, not a word now. He nodded, making a zip the lip sign. The three pearls crowded into Mrs. Happity's office with the police. Ma'am, turns out some of your suspicions were right. Your husband got pulled into some scary stuff. It's possible he had to, no idea what he was mixed up in. A glance at Sum's face pulled the officers up short. He said, We still have no idea where he is. I have to be honest about that. But we're getting a bigger picture, better picture of what went on. It could be that he was, or is, excuse me, just the person who got used as a game piece in someone else's crime. Some nodded, her shoulders sagging. I'll take that as good news, she murmured, although it was, it, it's what I already thought. Please tell me everything, everything you can. The policeman shared a crazy story. First, Mr. Mr. Allslips, he was, said he wanted to be arrested he identified himself as a Chicago public library employee and told the police he needed protection. He described the meeting that Early had tried to listen to, the one with Mr. Pincer, Mrs. Whistle, and Mr. Wave. At least he gave his version of it. According to Mr. Allslip, Mr. Pincer had warned them all that they were in the midst of an international diamond smuggling operation, part of which was being handled by a gang based in New York. He said they had to keep quiet. Mr. Allslip then told the police about having kept the money Dash gave him for a book out of fear. He described an address in Marquette Park where he said he delivered the cartons of books, then admitted he felt bad about what he'd done and didn't want any more harm to come to the Pearl family. He said he had no idea how bad things were until we bumped into Early at the library. Early asked if the, if the policeman remembered the address in Marquette Park. He looked surprised and shrugged. Oh, it was an old warehouse with no numbers on it, he said. Completely empty. Early frowned. Hadn't Mr. Allslip told her the building had a number? Mr. Pincer and Mrs. Whistle had both been arrested last night. And Mr. Pincer, it turned out, was a guy with a slippery past, an unemployed hatchet man for a large industrial companies that needed to cut back. He had lied about a background in the library world, forged an appropriate resume, and been hired in recent months to help the Chicago Public Library balance its complicated budget. Mrs. Whistle had appeared on his first day at Harold Washington, offering to work for free as a personal assistant. 
She explained that she was between jobs, but had always wanted to experience library work. Mr. Pincer agreed, thinking he was getting a bargain. What he didn't realize was that this stranger was part of a huge and clever crime ring that was following recent developments as the city librarians at the city libraries. When a certain Mr. Scrub approached Mr. Pincer, offering a considerable amount of money to look the other way if the bookseller hired two of the library pages for a little extracurricular work, he was thrilled. A greedy man, he accepted immediately, having no idea that he was now in the hands of a circle of expert criminals and that Mr. Scrub and Mrs. Whistle had known each other for years. Like Mr. Pincer, Mr. Oslip was a man careless with the lives of others, and when Mr. Scrub approached him offering extra money to pick a working partner who was an innocent type, he didn't hesitate. When some heard that, she dropped her head in her hands, a rat with regrets, Early murmured. That's Mr. Oslip, she said, when the adults all looked at her. Mr. Whistle had a Miss Whistle had admitted to visiting the shelter in disguise, hoping to get a peek at the Pearl's possessions, but there had never been a moment when the open sleeping area had been empty enough for her to paw through them unseen. She had reported back to the others at the library. Early wondering just how selfless Al's trip had been. If Velma hadn't stopped him, would he have left with all they owned, including the mysterious diamond? Early squirmed in her seat, leaving her hand casually on top of the tiny stone still in her pants pocket. Did that make her a criminal hiding the diamond? Should she say she had it right this minute? But what if that made Dash look not as innocent? What if it might seem like Dash had known there was a diamond in their apartment? And what would happen to them all if she didn't tell? The what-ifs swirled this way and that, making her dizzy. A diamond early realized just right then that there was power here and that selling a stone like this could make many things possible. It was a thought she didn't want to have. Suddenly she understood how tempted Mr. Allslip must have been. And that is the chapter cover, pages 205 to 237. Please make sure you do your vocabulary. And we have some comprehension questions, too, for you to answer.